Hi, I'm Dr. Eric Westman, and this is the Keto Made Simple podcast. I wonder uh, if um, we have a, a good cohort of folks on. If, why don't can, why don't we just start out and you know introduce yourself and and uh, how you got into the keto and and it, it's a fascinating story. Sure. Uh, so I'm a psychiatrist, um, and I've been a psychiatrist for 25 years now. And for the first 10 years of my career, I practiced the way most psychiatrists do, you know, so I was trained to, uh, to think of mental health problems as having biological root causes that had to do with, you know, chemical imbalances in the brain. And that I was trained to treat those, those root causes with medications. And I was trained uh, to treat the psychosocial root causes of mental health problems, you know, things like stress and trauma and your mother, you know, I was, I was, I was trained to treat those problems with, with psychotherapy. And, uh, I still use both of those tools in my work, even now, every day, uh, they're both very valuable and have their, have their place. But about 10 years into my career, um, in order to try to solve some of my own health problems that started popping up in my early forties, some of which a lot of my patients also had, uh, you know, things like, you know, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and IBS and migraines. And I just thought, well, I'm just getting older <laughs> and this is normal. This is supposed to have, you're supposed to just fall apart when you, when you turn 40. Um, but uh, no, no. <laughs> I know, right. You're not, it's really not supposed to happen. So I, um, I was working at Harvard at the time and I, I had access to lots of really smart and caring doctors and specialists. And I had every test in the world and, um, they all told me nothing was wrong. And, uh, but of course something was wrong. Uh, and you know, I really didn't want to take medications because I'm very sensitive to medications. So I just, you know, it, it, one of the issues I was having was, was having to do with stomach pain. And so I thought, well, maybe it's something I'm eating that was causing the stomach pain. So I just started experimenting with my diet, just kind of instinctively food symptom journal. I mean, this was back in 2000 seven, 2008. So a long time ago, I had never heard of keto or paleo or anything. <laughs> so, uh, I just started experimenting with my diet to see if I could, you know, help my stomach feel better, kept a food and symptom journal. And by the end of six months, uh, by changing my diet in these various trial and error ways, everything improved, uh, went away, including the migraines, the chronic pain, everything, uh, not just the stomach pain, but the thing that was so fascinating to me as a psychiatrist was my mental health improved too. And I wasn't even trying to improve it. I didn't think <laughs> I had a lot of trouble with my mental health, although, you know, I felt, you know, kind of depressed in the winter and I was kind of an anxious person and, you know, prone to stress and that sort of thing. But I mean, it was unbelievable. My concentration was razor sharp, my energy stable, good work stamina, much more productive, slept better. I mean, my mood, my concentration, everything was better. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> this diet seems to be good for the brain. And wouldn't that be something if, 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 if something about this diet could be useful to all of my patients, most of whom uh, weren't getting better enough with the, with the standard tools I had in my toolbox. But because the diet I'd switched to was pretty unorthodox and wasn't, was definitely not recommended by nutrition authorities, it was really mostly, is like a lot of, based on animal foods, it was a high fat, high cholesterol, uh, mostly animal foods, some, a few plant foods, but it was, you know, lower in fiber, higher in fat and higher in animal 
foods than we are recommended uh, to eat. And so I thought this diet feels amazing, but you know, I can't recommend this to my patients because what if this diet's going to kill me? I mean, this is what I was taught. So what I decided to do uh, was, uh, was study nutrition and really for the first time, because as you know, doctors aren't taught about nutrition. And so, you know, four years of medical school, we talked about, we had about three hours worth of nutrition education. And then in psychiatry residency, another four years, psychiatry specialty training, we didn't talk about food once. And so I had to really educate myself, as so many of us have had to do, about the truth, about how the body, what kinds of foods the body needs, uh, metabolism, uh, you know, what the brain needs to thrive. And, you know, I studied for years, several, several years independently and, and in well, school. Well, so yeah. um, let me see. So you didn't really know uh, that you were doing an Atkins diet. Well, um, along, <laughs> well, along the way, well, so along the way, you know, my mom had lost 90 pounds on the Atkins diet. And so I knew that that was something that one could do to lose weight, but I wasn't at that point trying to lose okay. weight. But, so, but by, yeah. but by process of elimination on, with your own sort of detective work, you ended up with something very similar. It, it, it reminds me of a story of a doctor who, was diagnosed with diabetes and he reasoned that he should just take his, the, the carbs out. And his wife told him, you know, you know dummy, you're doing the Atkins diet. <laughs> there's, there's something about like, we all have to come up to, to our own conclusion about it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, well, I mean, that's so, how I got into it. Yeah. Um. But so that conundrum of what do I do? What how do I deal with my patients is again fascinating because there are a lot of doctors who are eating this way in the closet and 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 I just say well you know say you're doing the Mediterranean diet to other health people and they'll say it's great that's that's so good for you and then they don't ask you anything else because they don't really know what a Mediterranean diet is nobody nobody really does so how did you then? what was the process for being able to use it with your, or have you used it with patients then? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, you oh yes. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, I was working at the Harvard university health service at the time and the director there at the time was very supportive of the, the psychiatrist on staff. We were all hired, of course, primarily to prescribe medications uh, and therapists were prescribed to uh, do the therapy piece of the work. So we were primarily hired to prescribe. But the director at the time was very supportive of us also, you know, nurturing and offering other other uh, options. And so, for example, there was somebody on the staff who was interested in acupuncture and they were allowed to do a little acupuncture. And so I was allowed to do some nutrition consultations, which I really enjoyed. And uh, so I started weaving nutrition principles. I mean, really just at that point, kind of whole foods principles and and, you know, uh, getting lowering sugar and you know that sort of thing cleaning up the diet. And gradually, the more I learned about nutrition and the brain, I, I stumbled upon a paper about, um, about the ketogenic diet for bipolar disorder. And, you know, it, it suddenly all these light bulbs went off in my head. I mean, this was a long time ago, probably 2009. And it was the similarities between bipolar disorder and epilepsy, because we use the same medications to treat both. Um, we, we use the same medications to treat mood swings as we do to treat um, epilepsy. And the ketogenic diet had been used to treat epilepsy quite successfully for about a hundred years. 
And I thought, well, if this diet works for epilepsy, I wonder if it could also work for bipolar disorder. And that just really got me interested in not just the nutritional parts of the diet that can help with, with brain, with brain function, but the metabolic piece, you know, what happens when you, when you go into ketosis, how does that change brain chemistry? And that's, that's, that's about 10 years, 10, 12 years ago now that I stumbled on that. Yeah. Well, that, uh, once you see it and you, well, the other kind of phenomenon that I'm here is that, uh, most doctors try it in themselves first Mm -hmm. and, and, but this, this then becomes a slow process. If every doctor has to try it themselves first. So, so I, I try to leap to, no, it's like, it's already, it's like an FDA approved drug. So you don't have to go through it and try it. And, and in fact, you don't even have to do it as a doctor because everyone else has studied it and you, you can just prescribe it. But it's common, I think, for those of us who will write about it and teach about it to have had to try it ourselves, you know, <laughs> test it, kick the tire, so to speak. You know, uh, so, well, I wonder if, can you share some kind of uh, success stories uh, that uh, I remember at the Metabolic Health Summit, there have been some people put on stage who just have unbelievably hard lives. I mean, with with the psychiatric problems, they're homeless. And then, then uh, you know, they're like, holding jobs and, and look like they never had any, any problems. Have you had kind of uh, transformations like that in your practice? Lots of them. And I put uh, some specific patient stories uh, in, in the, in the book that I just finished writing. So people can hopefully be inspired by those. So I'm a general psychiatrist. I treat only adults. So I, I see all kinds of different people, people with everything from ADHD and mild depression to severe mental illness and early Alzheimer's. And so um, I have you know, been using ketogenic diets and other types of nutritional strategies in my work for more than 10 years now. So I've you know, treated lots of people um, uh, uh, with, with, with different dietary approaches, but the cornerstone of my practice has been the ketogenic diet. And because uh, that's really the most powerful intervention we have. Uh, to to re-energize, uh, heal, and protect the brain, and so which is exactly what you want to do if you have a mental health issue of any kind, really. So um, you know, I've had uh, I'm think of different examples. So a woman with early Alzheimer's, uh, she had actually had mild. Uh, she was in her late sixties. She had mild cognitive impairment for about twenty years, and from a head injury, a mild head injury. Uh, she was on medication to control seizures and had mild, you know, some, a lot of, you know, some trouble with her memory and finding her car in parking lots and getting following directions to, to work and that sort of thing. And eventually had to give up her job uh, because she wasn't able to manage uh, uh, with cognitive impairment. But the cognitive impairment was really stable for a long time, you know, for, for, for nearly 20 years. But then as she, you know, she entered, uh, was kind of approaching her seventies, uh, there was a drop, a decline in her in her cognitive function, and it was noticeable to her. She she went to sit down at her sewing machine that she her mother had given her and she'd used for decades almost every day and couldn't remember how to thread the machine, and she was terrified. She's like, okay, this is it. You know, this is I knew this was coming. Uh, so she went to her doctor, and her doctor because uh, I d- didn't know this patient at the time went to her doctor and the doctor said, oh, well, you, you know, tested her and saw that the decline on, on testing and said, 
you know, this is, you know, this is all, this is Alzheimer's. I, um, you know, I just, you know, and there's really nothing we can do about it. So I, you know, just go and enjoy your life. And I'm going to make an appointment for you with a neurologist um, to do some testing, but, but, but this is, this is what's happening. And so the neurology appointment was 10 weeks out. And so while she was waiting for that appointment, her son, who was working with me to, on, on uh, bipolar mood issues with a ketogenic diet, um, asked me if I would see her. So I met with her and, you know, she was very excited to try a ketogenic diet, gave her hope uh, when I explained how it could help uh, re-energize her brain. And you know, I said, I didn't know, you know, whether it would help or not, but it was worth a try. And so she was very interested in doing, had the support of her son who was doing well on a ketogenic diet. And within two, three weeks, she, she markedly improved. Uh, she was able to uh, remember directions to go to, you know, to, to find her way in her car without even having to write them down. Uh, she of course could sew again. She wasn't losing her train of thought in the middle of sentences anymore. I mean, she was, she felt that she'd gotten her brain back. And when, by the time she got to her neurology appointment, they said, there's no diagnosis here. Everything looks fine. You've scored, wow. you know, and, and, and this was, you know, and you can see this, you can see really remarkable improvements, not in all patients, of course, not in all cases, but in my experience, I've worked with hundreds of patients, different uh, diagnoses, um, you almost always see a noticeable degree of improvement to some extent. Some people improve all the way. Some people improve partly. Some people are able to come completely off medication. Some people are able to reduce the number or type of medications that they're taking, the, do the dosage or the dosage or the number of patients. And so it's, in my opinion, always worth trying. And, and, and uh, there are very few reasons not to try, which we can talk about, you know, those but it's uh, it's a really useful intervention, almost regardless of the diagnosis that you're dealing with. Well, not being a psychiatrist myself, I am struck by, uh, well, internal medicine has its own issues, but with with uh, calling things, labeling things. And uh, in, in our first case that I recall, I was treating someone for obesity, for weight loss, and she came back saying her voices were gone after eight days, and I was struggling to, I didn't even know she had a long history of schizophrenia. So, although when we tried to publish the case study, and, and we did, they, were, they said, well, she didn't really have schizophrenia. It was a more complicated, uh, and, and I was sort of struck by, I don't know that the labeling is all that perfect, right, for, for psychiatry. And, and so it, some people ask me, well, okay, it's, it's for schizophrenia, but what about this one? Or or I have this diagnosis, that diagnosis. It seems to me that it because of the imprecision of our ability to label mental health issues, that it would be worth trying a keto diet kind of regardless of what the diagnosis is. Is that kind of your experience? Yes, because exactly as you say, there's there's no there's we don't have diagnostic precision in psychiatry. Um, there are just there are lots of different types of brain health problems, and they can manifest in different ways. So, 
most people with depression also have anxiety. Most people, most people with, uh, you know, anxiety have depression. Uh, and, you know, there are, there are different degrees of bipolar disorder from mild mood swings all the way to severe bipolar type one with true episodes of mania. And, you know, there are different degrees even of psychosis. Um, and, and so everything just as in all of biology exists on a spectrum. So when you're, and, and, and everything's overlapping. It's not like there's one part of the brain that's devoted to schizophrenia and one part of the brain that's devoted to uh, ADHD. Almost everyone with any psychiatric diagnosis has problems with concentration. And so do they all have ADHD? No, they've got a disruption of their attention system, which is you know widespread throughout the brain. So these are really just crude crude uh, yeah. terms that we use to try to try to put people in boxes. And most people don't fit neatly into any of these boxes. Well, so, you know, it, it, I often think, well, what a great opportunity. There's so many people hospitalized with psychiatric illnesses and mental institutions and, and no one's, no, to my knowledge, no like formal state institution has ever tried putting a ward on uh, 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 on a diet like this. But then there was this Dr. Albert Danen. How did you run across Dr. Danen? <laughs> because wow. he, he did have people he knew put him on a ward and, and tell us that story. Yeah. And so, and so you and I worked very closely on, on, uh, on this and helping, helping. Uh, this is a, um, uh, my co- friend and colleague, Dr. Uh, Albert Dana, he's a, a psychiatrist in Toulouse. Oh, I apologize for the pr- pronunciation. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't speak French <laughs> at all. And I know you do. Um, but uh, um, but I but I do know how he says his name. And so yeah, but it looks like if you were reading English, it would look, it looks like Albert Dana, D-A-N-A-N. That's how it looks uh, in English. Yeah. And uh, so he's a psychiatrist uh, in Toulouse, France. And he's been a psychiatrist for 35 years. And he, you know, uh, has been working uh, primarily with people with serious chronic mental illnesses of, you know, North African and and French descent uh, for a really long time, very dedicated and, you know, using medications and psychotherapy and, uh, you know, really uh, gets to know his patients and works closely with them over time. Uh, Some of these patients he's known for 30, 35 years. And so uh, what happened was, there was a family member of his who had had um, uh, uh, autism and epilepsy. And that family member started a ketogenic diet. And within a few weeks, the seizures disappeared. And even the autism improved to a significant extent. And so when he witnessed that, he thought, again, (laughs) this diet seems to be good for the brain. And, you know, wondered, you know, if this diet might help so many of his patients who weren't responding well to medications who really hadn't gotten much better, despite all of the work he was doing to try to help them all the medications and everything. So he invited 31 of his uh, most treatment resistant patients with bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder and schizophrenia um, to if they were be interested to try a ketogenic diet in the hospital under his close supervision, psychiatric and medical supervision. And so 31 of them agreed to do this. And uh, as you know, because we published the paper together, we helped him publish his findings, which are really extraordinary, uh, is that um, with with the exception of the three people who were not able to follow the diet for longer than two weeks, all of the 28 patients who did follow the diet for longer than, than two weeks every single one of them improved and improved substantially. Uh, and uh, 43% of them 
uh, uh, reached clinical remission uh, simply by following a whole foods ketogenic diet that was based on the diet that you've been studying at Duke for so many years. And so uh, this was really remarkable. And, you know, about two thirds of them left the hospital taking less psychiatric medication than when they went in. And of course, their metabolic health improved as well. So, you know, uh, you know, triglycerides dropped like a stone and blood sugar came down and blood pressure came down. And, um, you know, just uh, people lost weight. People lost a significant amount of weight, even though almost all of them were taking antipsychotic medications that are notorious for causing stubborn weight gain. And so this was this was really remarkable and had never been uh, experienced before. Nobody had ever, you know, put a group of people in the hospital and put them on a ketogenic diet. And so he he actually, he had done this simply to help his patients not to, to run a study. And, uh, but when he, when he called me and told me what he had done, um, he reached out to me because he knew that I was interested in this topic. We had never met each other. And he just kind of mentioned it, you know, uh, casually. And I said, you did what? I mean, this is, <laughs> do you realize that nobody's ever done this before? And he said, really? And I said, no. He said, you haven't done this. And I said, I haven't done this. And he said, Dr. Palmer hasn't done this. I said, no, Dr. Palmer hasn't done this. He said, really? And I said, we need to find a way to publish this and share this with other clinicians so that they know um, that this is safe because it was, we found that it was safe um, and that it was feasible and that uh, people got not just a little bit better, but seven to 10 times better than they tend to do in medication studies for uh, depression and psychosis. The, the magnitude of the effect was really big. So it was, it was amazing. And, uh, and I really cannot thank you enough for helping us uh, publish that work. And I, I, I hope that will be helpful to other clinicians. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, um, I've observed other cases and, and, and other doctors doing things, but the, the remarkable thing that, that Albert Albert did is that he used systematic questionnaires that had, were validated, uh, validated was the term I was trying to find, validated yeah, yeah. questionnaires all along the way. So there was, uh, and there were multiple questionnaires that got at the same issue. So even though, you know, oh, how do you measure psychiatric illness and all that? Well, it was really well documented. Yeah. And as a clinician doing that, I thought that was just really outstanding and remarkable and also like you, publishable. And now I wonder, has that paper gotten some traction? Uh, <laughs> we haven't really talked since the publication and all, or uh, are there, is anyone else fathoming? Well, wait, there's this thing called metabolic psychiatry. What, what's going on? Yeah. So um, this paper, uh, we were so heartened to see the, the response to this paper because um, it's, it's um, there, there's something called an altmetric score, which is just a, a you know, the, a, a measure of how much attention people are paying to the paper. And this is among the top 1% of papers that this journal and any division of this journal has ever published. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. The altmetric score is uh, like 1750 yeah. or something like that. It's really, really high. And uh, so it's been uh, a lot and it's been viewed almost a hundred thousand times now. So people are really, um, I think they're, they're, it's resonating. I think the information is resonating. 
Uh, and, and, and of course there's now this field called metabolic psychiatry, um, which, uh, this paper is, you know, helps to, helps to fuel new research, you know, helps to convince funders and grant makers that, you know, you know what, this is a safe and really, uh, high, like low risk, high potential benefit intervention that's worth studying more, uh, sort of more rigorously. Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind-the-scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full-access pass into the world of plastic surgery. Combining their expertise and training, Drs. Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field. We've got something for everyone. Yeah. And uh, the, there were a couple of conferences this year on metabolic psychiatry or psychiatry and integrative medicine. I was on that one, the integrative medicine. Uh, and then I didn't make the conference earlier this year that uh, was funded, but it's, it's called Metabolic Mind, the, the website, I believe. And that's the the Bazuki family. Uh, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, it's the Bazuki family. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know much about that? I, I've just watched a video. Uh, it looks like their son was uh, greatly improved and and then they have some wealth to be able to give to the field. Is that is that right? The Bazuki family. Uh, uh, I cannot say enough good things about about this family. Uh, everything that they have given, not just financially, but in terms of you know what they've donated in terms of their time and energy and, and personal resources and generosity of information you know they've shared their family story which is a very painful but also very inspiring story and so um this is uh, i'm talking specifically about jan allison bazuki Uh, she's the president of the bazuki group and uh you know which is a philanthropic organization that uh that she and her husband uh david bazuki founded to to really promote like educate people and and do and uh, fund science uh, fund scientific research uh in metabolic psychiatry uh different like new approaches to mental health conditions because their son matt bazuki um uh was a uh, you know had you know had uh, had his college career interrupted by severe psychotic illness and uh, was for a time homeless and uh you know the the family was was you know was really really of course uh distraught and, and traumatized by by his experience yeah. so eventually after many many medications and many many doctors um his mother Jan Ellison Bazuki um heard about ketogenic diet for mental health and she sought out the support of Dr. Chris Palmer uh who is a psychiatrist um here in Massachusetts at Harvard and uh, and he and Denise Potter, who's a who's a very experienced dietitian, keto dietitian, um, put him on a ketogenic diet, and within about four months, uh, his illness went into remission, and and has remained in remission uh, for I want to say what two th- two at least two years, or maybe three years now, 
Um, and so he, if people are interested, he and uh, Dr. Ian Campbell, who's now a prominent uh, uh, researcher in ketogenic diet for bipolar disorder, they have a, a YouTube channel um, called Bipolar Cast, where they interview people who have, you know, uh, gotten better on a ketogenic diet. It's a really great um, uh, YouTube channel. And that it, I didn't know that it took four months. Yep. For uh, the one case that I had, sort of the index case in my clinic, it was eight days. <laughs> so right. the, that's un, important to know that there's some variability in how much time it might take. And, and yet uh, sort of the unknown to be discovered is what percentage of people respond. Kind of like in your practice, your, your uh, gestalt is that it's not going to be the same for everybody, right? No. There may be Definitely. responders and non-responders but you know why wouldn't you try this you know and and i really yeah thanks again i, I want to shout out for all the everything that the bazooka group has done and i i saw ian campbell's uh talk uh at the integrative medicine uh conference um integrated psychiatry and he was measuring himself with ketone levels and symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that was really the first time that I've seen the correlation between the higher the ketone level, the lower the symptom. Now, of course, this is one individual and, and it's, uh, you could even, you might even say it's you're susceptible to placebo effect, you know? So, but it, again, the, the knowledge that can be gained by measurements uh, of ketones and and uh breath blood or urine and then subjective scores it's it's really not um difficult to to do this intervention and to test this out it's just getting the 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 engine of of, of research and people who are in power of uh, in control of research studies to get them on board yeah and then like you said it to have Dr. Danan's inpatient experience will open the door for other people to want to try it. Although I, I fear the resistance, like in internal medicine, is that everyone looks to medications in internal medicine and, and everyone looks to medications in psychiatry as well. I mean, that's the last that's you know, true. our career, right? That's true. But you know, what occurred to me, um, I was giving a talk at, um, uh, in, in Switzerland, uh, uh, there's a, a conference called Food for Thought. And this year, they decided just this a uh, uh, couple of months ago, they just decided to include uh, uh, multiple talks about metabolic psychiatry, because it's such a new and exciting field. And I was up there talking and it occurred to me, <laughs> You know, because there were several talks also about obesity and type two diabetes and how these new medications are coming along now that everyone is so excited about um, that can that can actually, you know, they do help, um, you know, they can help people lose weight and they can help, you know, uh, control blood sugars and things like that. And for a long time, we've had medicines that, that can help control blood sugars. And uh, and it occurred to me that it there's even a stronger argument for using the ketogenic diet in mental health disorders than there is for almost any other disorder because we don't have great medications in psychiatry. Yeah. We, yeah. you know, the medicines we have are really limited and, you know, at best, the best, the, the best, most reliable psychiatric medications, which are the antipsychotics, they only help about 25% of people. And so yeah. what else that's, do you want to do? <laughs> that's uh, an un, underappreciated reality 
And even some of the medications, when you look at placebo controlled trials, they don't work at all. And yet they're being used. And uh, well, but on the other hand, what a great time to be, be able to study it, use this clinically. Uh, I, I did, uh, let's see, John, um, one of my uh, uh, people on the, the call tonight uh, asked about for the name in the paper. I, I'll post a link at the bottom of the video so you can just click there. Uh, do you remember the, the uh, journal? I do. And in fact, <laughs> you have it right I here. have a copy of the paper right here. <laughs> there you go. So the ketogenic diet for refractory mental illness, a retrospective analysis of 31 inpatients. It's an open access paper. So anybody can read it. And you can even click, if you click on the supplemental materials button, you'll find a description of the diet that was used. And uh, I have some of my patients actually put that on the refrigerator uh, so that they can remind themselves what to eat and not eat. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Yeah, well, that that was a fantastic uh, find. So that you were you were approached by a doctor who done done this work, and I think it's really important for so many people to be around and be accessible. You know, I could imagine that person would call the professor in charge of psychiatry department chair at Harvard, and the Harvard they would say, you know they wouldn't pick up the call, right? <laughs> so. So I feel very fortunate to know him for many reasons. I mean, he's just a wonderful psychiatrist, wonderful, wonderful human being, and just a lovely, lovely guy. And he's nearing retirement now. So he's really, you know, not, you know, he's not particularly interested in, you know, going around the world and sharing this information. So I'm more than happy to do that for him. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, so I wonder, um, let's switch now to your book, the, the book coming out uh, and what um, possessed you to to go through that pain and agony? <laughs> well, you know, as you've written many books, you know, it is painful. And, and uh, I, 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 would, I was joking with my friends because it, you know, took a, a huge chunk out of my life. <laughs> I was joking with my friends, you know, this diet, this, this book is, uh, you know, if this book uh, is killing me and it's probably going to need to be published posthumously. Um, <laughs> no. And uh, <laughs> it was just a lot of work. I never, I had no idea much work, but it, it was a joyous, you know, I, it was pain and, you know, the best of times and the worst of times, right? So um, it was a lot of work, but really what drove me to do it was I was just possessed by this desire to, you know, it, it, it's kind of frustrating to, you know, help one person at a time and, you know, teach one person at a time. And when there's so much information that everybody needs um, and, and a lot of that information they can use, they can put to use right away without a lot of special help. And um, there's just some great basic changes that people can make, even if, even if they don't use a ketogenic diet per se, there are so many myths about what a healthy diet looks like, what the brain needs, 
which foods are good for the brain, which foods are bad for the brain. It's all upside down. And so what I did, uh, what I was really driven to do in this book was to put all that information in the same place. So not just, okay, what should you eat for a healthy brain, but why? So why am I recommending these things that fly in the face of conventional wisdom? And for the people who really, who really are, you know, um, picky about the science, there's plenty of science in there um, to, to back up these arguments. And, and, uh, and then there's also a lot of practical advice as well. Um, so, and all the way down to, you know, recipes and meal plans and how do you test insulin resistance and everything. So it's, Uh it's kind of half science, half practical. And and the title is uh, change your diet, change your mind. Yes. Which, um, we have a, a, a saying, change your food, change your life, sort of a similar, um, and of course, adapt Adapter life, meaning, you know, every organism that is able to survive has to learn to adapt to new situations. And so I like that, that similarity, the uh, um, how to or the, the intended audience is the, the general public then? Uh, It's for the general public as well as nutrition professionals and uh, clinicians. So it, 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 it speaks to, to both groups of people. Um, And uh, that's on purpose because uh, if we speak just to patients and and we don't include enough of the kind of deeper science, then the clinicians and nutrition professionals will poo-poo it. If we speak just to the clinicians then it doesn't help everyday people who are looking, you know, for, you know, information about how to change their how to change, improve their mental health. So it was, it was really aimed uh, at both groups. And so the the book is available for pre-order. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's available for pre-order now. Um, The, um, uh, it will be published, released on January 30th. Um, But we're going to come out with, you know, we really, um, uh, for for people who are interested in pre-ordering it now, we are going to be um, sharing some some special incentives, you know. Th- so while you're waiting, and one of the things, because I'd really wanted the the book to come out like right at the beginning of the year, so that people, because you know, because people are really inspired to change yeah. their eating habits, and you know, after New Year's, um, but that just wasn't a, a that wasn't a date that the publisher could accommodate. So I thought, well, how can I help people with during that interim to get motivated? And so we're going to create this. Um, we're going to create a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A resource um, uh, while people are waiting for the book to come that helps them get ready to make those changes. So what kind of lab tests should you get? Um, how do you get your, your clinicians involved and on board? Um, you know, how do you, you know, start to, uh, to sort of reorganize your kitchen and your pantry for healthier eating? All of these steps that you can take um, to get yourself ready. And then, and then when the book comes, you can, you can get started right away because there, it is important to prepare, um, and, and to take your time preparing so that you set yourself up for success. You know, recently in the clinic, I was asked how someone can find a doctor psychiatrist who's keto friendly. Is there a resource for that now yet? I'm glad you asked. So, um, I, uh, in the past year, uh, maybe eight or nine months ago, um, I started on my website, completely free public resource. Uh, it's a clinician directory. 
specifically okay. um specifically listing okay. yeah and i'll i i can i can put the link uh for people or you can i'm not sure how that works but um can, yeah. uh, on my website so my website is called diagnosis diet and on my website diagnosis diet there'll, there's a tab called uh, directory clinician directory and if you click on that tab, you'll see you can search by country, you can search by if you're looking for prescriber. And we've got about 150 clinicians there so far. And this is specifically for mental health only. Um, so um, so we kind of curate that we, you know, people will submit their listing, but we will only post them if they treat mental health conditions and they have that expertise. So, and it's, you know, prescribers, but it's also nutrition professionals and uh, therapists and coaches and uh, yeah. So different types of providers. Well, so I was trying to catch up on everything you've been doing and <laughs> you've also have a training program for, for clinicians. Is that right? How, tell me about that, please. Yes. So about three years ago now, maybe more, um, uh, I developed a, a clinician training program uh, that's, you know, continuing education certified um, because people need access to professionals who will support them in, in a safe and knowledgeable way to transition to a ketogenic diet. And especially if you're on medications of any kind or have serious mental health symptoms, you really need to work with somebody as you transition to the diet, not because the diet is dangerous, but because navigating the medications and any existing health issues, uh, especially when your when your body is shifting gears, um, just takes a, takes a little special knowledge and skill. And so, um, and you know, I was there are very few of us who were doing this a few years ago, just a, just a few of us really in the world. And so that well, this you know, people are emailing me every day saying, you know, can I see you? Can I see you? I was like, oh, gosh, I can't help everybody that writes to me, um, right. we need more people. So I decided to train other people. And so we've trained hundreds of, of clinicians around the world and continue our trainings every month. And uh, so this is an uh, continuing education certified and for clinicians of any background, you don't have to be a prescriber, although we love prescribers because they're the ones who are most you know, in need uh, that people, we're really trying to improve access to metabolic psychiatry services. And um, the Bazooki group is uh, trying to help us um, in that regard as well, trying to make Great. the course more accessible. Fantastic. Uh, I don't, how do you do all this? <laughs> <That's what> everyone, <laughs> everyone asks me that too. <laughs> well, right? I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a passion project, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. um, I, it's a calling really. I mean, I, it's hard, it's a strange word to use, but I can't explain it otherwise because it's, um, you know, I've invested a lot of time and, energy and my own resources into doing these. A lot of these projects are not profitable. And, but I really am doing it because I love it. And I, I, I was trained conventionally and the, the, the typical treatments, they, they just don't help most people. And, you know, we need, we need a better way. Well, I, I was reminded, we have had the chance to spend some time together traveling and all that. And, and I'm reassured because there are still a few of us who still care about people getting better. Yes. And it does become a calling almost, you know, it's almost like the clergy, the, the, the medical doctors, not everyone, but there. And I'm glad that you're one of those. <laughs> You've been very I'm, productive. I'm, I'm glad that you are too. And, and uh, you know, you'll, you'll see this when you get your, your galley copy of the book, but I did, I, I made a point to acknowledge you in, in my acknowledgements because you've been, your work has been so 
such a such a foundation for my work. And uh, you know, you're one of the pioneers in the field, and we wouldn't be here without you. So I really appreciate uh, everything you've done and continue to do for for all of us. Well, and I, I thank you. And uh, you know, all that we did here at Duke is to formalize what Dr. Atkins and all the other Dr. Eads and Rosedale and Bernstein, you know, so, but that was an important step to gain the credibility, the, the ability to, you know, have a worldwide group of contributors in a, in a, you know, really amazing text. And I guess it went from, you know, doctors writing books about it to now, studies being done so that um you know there's a classic book that dr atkins wrote uh, dr atkins health revolution and it, that became sort of my roadmap of what studies to do that he because he wrote about fixing GERD and heartburn and he, you know but he didn't write a whole lot about mental health which hmm. is it's pretty interesting but he, he was a cardiologist internist at the time uh so anyway it's, it's i i see this as a necessary transition for the credibility now we need to just get it to catch on and i think what i'm seeing is this in in, in your approach it's grassroots as well because you're not for example targeting the nih or the american psychiatric association because kind of like in my world they're so entrenched in either finding a mechanism or a new drug that we've had to just build up from the grassroots. It seems, is that kind of what you, you're surmising in the mental health world too? Yeah, you know, I think it's gonna take, uh, I think it, we need a combination of grassroots and, you know, kind of higher level um, changes. Uh, we've put in two uh, submissions uh, to the American Psychiatric Association meeting for this coming spring uh, on metabolic psychiatry. And so hopefully at least one of those, of the two that that, that I'm uh, involved in applying for, hopefully at least one of them will be accepted uh, because, you know, that's a huge meeting, as you know, like thousands of psychiatrists around the world come yeah. to that meeting. And, uh, you know, we just need to get the word out because I, I actually think that psychiatrists, most psychiatrists are, when they hear about this intervention, are, get really excited because okay. most psychiatrists are frustrated yeah, they they have nothing left to offer some of their patients, and uh, they they love to have new tools, you know. So it's it's a I think it's a really exciting time to 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 be a psychiatrist. Something new is happening. <laughs> Switching gears, I, I wanted to just uh, get your uh, pick your brain a little bit about your experience um, in using keto diets. Uh, is it in the implementation? Is it different for mental health? conditions or, or for the metabolic conditions like diabetes and obesity are, do you, do you look at it differently or, or, or more similar than, than different? It's more similar than different. There are a few special uh, challenges. Uh, this is one of the things I teach in my training program is, you know, even clinicians are coming to the training program already knowing a lot about ketogenic diets for, you know, things like obesity and type two diabetes. Um, uh, there, there is some, some, there are some special things they need to learn uh, to use those same skills uh, to, to treat mental health conditions. And one of them is uh, that, um, you know, people, people with mental health uh, uh, conditions 
those mental health conditions, those symptoms, whether it's depression or difficulty concentrating or feeling disorganized, uh, being impulsive, any of the, you know, lots of those things can interfere, can make it harder to change your diet. Right. Uh, so it's just an extra obstacle. But then also the medications, some of the psychiatric medications uh, cause insulin resistance and uh, make it harder to get into ketosis. And uh, so you often need to be stricter with the diet in order to, to, to get people to transition. Um, and there, there are also, um, there's, there are some other challenges, for example, if people have cognitive impairment, because I've worked with quite a few people, older people with cognitive impairment, it's really hard for them to learn new diet rules. <laughs> and so it takes some extra time and some extra patience and some extra visits to uh, to implement those those changes, um, and you know the other the other thing is that and this is pretty important is that when you're transitioning to a ketogenic diet, unless you do it very slowly and carefully, um, you can uh, you can cause somebody to feel worse before they feel better psychiatrically. So they may feel more depressed, more anxious. They may um, even experience uh, so what's called hypomania, sort of mild manic symptoms like high energy, uncomfortable, high energy state as the brain is seeking, seeking its new equilibrium. So this can, uh, this usually, if, if when people do feel worse, it's usually resolved by week three, but that's why it's so important, especially when medications are involved or when someone has a history of, um, of dangerous symptoms um, that, because if any of those get worse, you know, that could be a, a real problem. Um, but the, the, you know, the medication levels of certain psychiatric medications can change as the body chemistry changes, people can start to feel more sensitive to their psychiatric medications in the first few weeks. So it's really navigating those first few weeks, um, which is where a lot of the skill uh, and knowledge uh, comes to bear because, and it really is once you get to the other side, uh, you know, once your body has reached its new equilibrium, um, uh, which can take anywhere from three days to three weeks to three months, depending on who you are, but on average three to six weeks, then what most people experience is a, a very different state of mind than they're accustomed to. Most people will say, oh, I, I've, I've never felt like this before. Like this is something completely new. Well, you and, know, it kind of cries out for the inpatient use and, and starting a diet on someone who's severely ill I thought that that would be necessary for someone who's on 10 different medications for diabetes, high blood pressure. I, I have to backpedal, get people off the medicines. It would be safer if they were in the hospital. I wonder if the Dr. Danan's model of hospitalizing people with psychiatric illness to start people out could be a way to get people through that hurdle. Yeah, I mean, I think in some cases that would be a good idea, depending on the on the on the particular circumstances. Um, because if someone is in fragile mental health, um, they're already yeah. unstable. If they're already, yeah. you know, have are dealing with say suicidal ideation or self injury, agitation, you certainly don't want that to to get worse. Uh, so in certain some cases, I think that would be a really good idea. Um, uh, with 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 what Albert did uh, with his patients, I mean, he's a very skilled psychiatrist. We so could adjust right. psychiatric medications himself, but he also was trained in psychosomatic medicine, so he has internal medicine skills, and so he was able to adjust the diabetes medications and the blood pressure medications himself. Mm -hmm. 
True. So that's just a special <laughs> circumstance, right? And and he was in France where they let you stay in the hospital as long as you want. So yeah. we in the United States, you know, uh, don't we kind of frown on that? But the um, but yes, I think in some cases yes, but in most cases no. I think uh, and you know, I'm an outpatient psychiatrist, um, but uh, you know, I think in, as, as if you transition slowly if you pay attention to the medications and you monitor things and you work closely with the other clinicians, you can do it safely. Um, but uh, you do need to know, you do need to know, you need to know what you're doing. Along those lines of implementation, I'll never forget a lecture you gave. And thanks for all you've done in teaching at our meetings through the years. There was a meeting, I believe the title of the talk was um, The Psychology of Subtraction. <laughs> and and it, it opened my eyes to the fact that, that well, what does that mean? <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, really, I think one of the most, we're always told, and there's a lot of this in the book, we're always told that the way to uh, protect our brains is to add more things to our diet. So add special superfoods like blueberries and um, and and you know red dark chocolate and red wine. Ridiculous red wine. That's psychiatric malpractice to recommend wine <laughs> to people who have depression and and cognitive impairment. Uh, but in any case, we're told that you know you should add superfoods and supplements and eat these special special things. Um, and there's absolutely no science behind any of those recommendations, which is one of the things I I, I talk about in the book and explain. Uh, you know, why these, why, why there's no science behind these things. But anyway, um, really the most powerful interventions. So when you, when you add things, I mean, everybody finds it easy to add things. It's easy to add things. It feels empowering. It feels positive and, uh, and, and it's exciting and new. Nobody wants to subtract things from their diet. And that's where the power is. Because, you know, I mean, taking things out of the diet feels negative, it feels depriving, it's harder, um, but it is really the, the, some of the most powerful changes you can make have to do with subtraction. And, and you will, I mean, if you add things to your diet, you will see little to no improvement. Um, and, and you may even get worse depending on which intervention you're using. If you subtract the right things, you can see benefits within three days to three weeks. I mean, it's really very substantial. So uh, the psychology of that is challenging though, because you know nobody, nobody makes money telling people what not to eat. <laughs> well, I, I remember it was very influential for my teaching because I would not just say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, can't have this, get the, the no-no list. No, no bread, no pasta, no rice, no fruit. I, I totally switched my my discussion of the new program to you can have yes. bacon and hamburgers and all these. You look at all the things you can add in that you thought you could never have again, and and I think it made a difference. And and the the right now I have a list of the foods on the wall and a big poster, and, and it's very helpful to to teach from it and and but some people will look up there and their eyes are oh my gosh I could never do this but once I explain that after you know after a day your hunger is gone a day or two the cravings go away you know it you won't believe it unless you try it I can usually barter for for a day of that you know basically subtracting all of those junk foods out <laughs> and my approach is really kind of all or nothing on one day of the mindset that uh, taking a Band-Aid off, you, you want to do it quickly. There's less pain, but I can see that 
in certain circumstances like severe mental illness you'd want to do it more gradually and and again as a just caution to reiterate that if if you don't have stable mental health or uh, if you're on if you've had difficulties you want to do this with a doctor who understands how to monitor the the mental health and and then to get you off medicines safely if needed so don't just try this on your own without supervision it's kind of my my caution even with severe medical illness yes. you have diabetes you have mental health problems you want to do this with someone who understands is trained in it and your website having a, a list I'm going to be using that. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that I've kept you long enough. Uh, I I could answer a few questions uh, from folks listening in live, uh, or do, do you have any kind of last comments? You got the the training program, the the website, the the book coming out in the end of January. What a great time! It is a really exciting time because there'll be more resources for people because we don't have enough resources out there. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to answer some questions if you if you have time. And uh, and I just wanted to, you, you'd said that at that meeting that you heard me say this with psychology of attraction, that was the very same meeting when I heard you say, uh, and, and I've used, I even just used this today because it's holiday time. You, know, you were saying, you know, when people, can people go off the keto diet for a day, you know, to Christmas time or birthday, whatever. And you said, don't let a holiday become a hollow week. And yeah. I use that phrase all the time. And I just wanted to thank you for, for that and many other well, things. And to be fair, I learned that from one of my friends at the Obesity Medicine Association. Oh, really? Who, who's retired now, but a great teacher. Um, and, you know, I guess this is another reason why we all should get together again in, in groups as doctors and tree, you know, because we do learn so much from from each other and wow I, let me know if you get to the APA that would be that would be unbelievable yeah we're that really American psychiatric. we're really excited so they're both two group presentations so three of us are different ones of us on each one so uh I'm really excited about it that's fantastic well I'm uh uh thinking that the I kept you long enough uh, thank you again Dr. Georgia Ede and uh with metabolic psychiatry or, or you know um you know your website is actually doctor diagnosis doctor yeah no it's a problem the name of my website is problematic uh but it's it's because it has nothing to do with anything you've heard so it's uh it's called diagnosis diet but if you just type I, my name into the into google it'll come up but uh the reason it's called that is because years ago when i wanted to write a book i thought that's what i was going to call it and so okay. that's what I named the website, but that was a, a, probably a poor choice. But anyway, if you type my name in, which is kind of a unique name, uh, then the website will come right up. Well, but, but now that I think about diagnosis diet, you, what you're meaning is that the diet is the culprit. Is that? Exactly. Yep. The, yeah. the, the, the key to the diagnosis, the, what's causing the diagnosis is most likely your diet. The diet. Yeah. Well, is, that's so true. And I've been so influenced by the, folks talking about addiction and, and sugar and ultra processed food addiction and uh, that the, the food manufacturers, uh, you know, Michael Moss wrote the books Hooked and, and Salt, Sugar, Fat, how we really are unable to moderate the foods, the franken foods, the junk foods that are being made 
for us. I guess that's another caution for keto junk foods that are out there now. It <laughs> really is. It really is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I uh, really look forward to seeing more of what you're doing. That's just really awesome. Well, thanks very much for having me. And it's so nice to to talk to your to your listeners as well. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully at a conference soon. Let's do that. All right. Take care now. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. And check out AdapterLifeAcademy.com.